Chris Scalzer here with Matt Howell. And on this episode of The First to Run, Matt and I caught up with our old buddy Zack Snyder, fresh off of his Global Smash 8 Justice League. He returns to his roots with a remake of Aliens. So, nope, that's not it. Nope, it's Army of the Dead, currently on Netflix, featuring Dave Bautista. And then we're going to check back in with Mads Mikkelsen, just what, two weeks removed. This time, he is kicking butt in Riders of Justice. And then maybe, you know, finding some growth along the way. Matt and I will share the big releases and physical media this week, featuring our streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of that week. And then, of course, we're going to close it out with a relatively new segment here, Matt. We started this a couple weeks ago when you were in absentia, where uh, we just kind of pick a genre, and then we give you some recommendations that you can stream. And to go along with Alien Army, Army of the Dead, we will be recommending some horror films that you can stream right now. So let's start everything off, Matt, with a clip from Army of Said Dead. Excuse me. May I talk to that gentleman, please? Hey, Scott. We've got a visitor. Mr. Ward. Hey. You're Lajanaka, right? You want to see me? It's not every man who saves the Secretary of Defense from a horde of flesh-eating monsters earns the Medal of Freedom only to end up... Working at a burger joint. Mr. Tanaka, I'm well aware of my situation. Here's the thing. There's $200 million in the basement vault beneath the strip. $200 million the insurance company already reimbursed me for. Untaxable. Untraceable. Unspendable? That's where you come in. With 96 hours left, the government has already moved more than half of its military presence out of the quarantine zone which makes it vulnerable. I want you to put together a team and get it out. In exchange, 50 million is yours to divvy up amongst whomever you take in with you. Intrigued? Well, are you, Matt? Are you intrigued? Sure. That's the sound <laughs> of me intrigued. <laughs> All right, Matt, so why don't you break it down for everybody there who's got their iPods freshly uploaded with this latest episode. What is Army of the Dead all about? A military biological weapon, I believe, escapes. Um, this biological weapon proves to be of the animated dead variety, a.k.a. a zombie, it escapes into Las Vegas, which quickly becomes an all-out war. It, yet, because Vegas is in the middle of nowhere, the U.S. government manages to wall it off and declare it a quarantine zone and keep the infection contained. Flash forward a few years, Dave Bautista is hired, as you heard in the clip, to go in with a team and get $200 million out of the Vegas vault before the U.S. government has finally decided, you know what, why leave that ticking time bomb out there? And they're just going to nuke Vegas, you know, a few years after the fact. Um, and that's what they're going in there to do. Good times. So, man, I, I made some allusions, some uh, dispersions, perhaps even, about this film being a remake of aliens. It's one of the first things that popped out to me as this movie is, is progressing. So. What do you, what do you think thoughts about that? I don't know. I don't know if I agree with that because, um, so much of aliens is kind of takes place in like a claustrophobic environment where they're kind of stuck in. I don't know. It doesn't have the same feel of that where there's that like long period of them kind of turtling in 
kind of thing. It is more like it had a lot of touches in it. it. It was like it was like Ocean's Eleven meets Zombieland meets Heat is basically what this film is. And I don't know if that's a good thing or not. I'm gonna say it's not. I think that it's a bit of a wasted premise. Although I believe it is important to point out that this is not a sequel to Dawn of the Dead, which Zack Snyder first famously cut his teeth on. So I think maybe in a parentheses or something underneath the title, Wasted Premise, the movie may be the best (laughs) way to go. I think that is an apt descriptor. Here's my Mm. issue, Matt, with the aliens tie-ins, right? So we have the parent-child rescue, right? Ripley goes after Newt. Okay. Well, Bautista goes after his daughter. There's Mm -hmm. a mole in the group. There's somebody inserted there who represents the corporation who may have nefarious designs, who maybe wants to bring something back that's a biological, some kind of biological weapon that they could use in the military. Mm-hmm. Right, Vasquez is almost in this film with the right. uh, red band, the Hispanic red bandana character. Yeah, that, there that, is I like the... how we call her Hispanic red bandana character. We don't even remember her name, <laughs> even though it was only a few days ago. There is the helicopter fake out. Right, right. I mean, oh, yeah. and that's just some of the references that I spotted. Yeah, and it what it does it apes a lot of these kind of different movies, and then. Did this film need to take place in Vegas? It does I mean, nothing, I, I think almost nothing, outside of setting up a shootout in a casino. does almost yeah. nothing with its setting. Well, I guess, I guess plausibly, if you're trying to say that it's kind of like a walled-off city, Vegas makes sense because, like I said, it's out in the middle of nowhere. You can't exactly, like, wall off L.A., you know, pretty easily. Or New York. Thing. Or New York. Like, yeah, you wouldn't want an escape from New York. That's been done before. Or an escape from L.A. Yeah, or an escape from L.A. Again, this kind of ties back into the Oceans films. I mean, the whole point is them. There's even like a series of of booby traps they have to get past to get into the vault kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's because it's plausible that Vegas has that much cash that's just kind of sitting there for the taking kind of thing. What other city has like just vaults of cash that are just there? I think Atlantic City probably has some. Have you uh, been to Atlantic probably, City? There's probably some banks in New York who have a lot of money in them. There are probably some other locations that could have some type of MacGuffin-ish tre- treasure that could uh, spark this type of heist film, which is not even what it is. So I don't listen. I don't want to just spend the next 15 minutes just pooping all over this thing. Why not? <laughs> Because I'm a positive guy. Oh, yeah. Okay. I'll say that the opening montage of the fall of Vegas is well done. As normal, as Snyder does, he nails yeah. these these montages in the beginning of his films. I mean, I, I saw it once before in Zombieland. Sure. I mean, they, even had the, they even had the zombie strippers. That's I mean, true. that was direct ripoff, which I don't understand. Why the hell would you let zombie strippers into your room? How did that even happen in such a closed <laughs> environment? I mean, you got to be really inebriated. And then they have the the setup, though, which was somewhat frustrating as well, that runs entirely too long. The opening exposition, when we're talking Mm -hmm. about where we're coming from, right? We can't name where we're coming from, and they're checking off all the different things that possibly that they're they're carrying, right? And the name of the convoy was, what, the the Four Horsemen or something like that? (laughs) Yeah, it was, yeah. Come on. On the nose, Zach. So, uh... Let's stay positive. There's some solid effects work in here. 
There is some exceptionally done, well done gore in this film as well. Yeah. I think Garrett Dillahunt's character meets a fantastic end with mm-hmm. Chekhov's zombie tiger. Right. Now, we kind of dropped the ball with Chekhov's rain-activated zombies. That right. never seems to happen. So if you're no. not familiar with the Chekhov's gun principle, you can Google mm-hmm. that. But So the tiger does make an appearance, but the rain-activated zombies don't, which is something they mentioned earlier in the film, which is, I guess, fine. I don't know. And there are a few things that are odd about our zombies. So the way Snyder introduces them is that they're more like a next step in evolution, not just in zombies, but like in a species generally, right? right. So they're they're the alpha zombies that are the ones that are bitten by this biological weapon zombie, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. they have these enhanced abilities, I guess. Right. And and they can get down. They can get dirty, if you know right. what I'm trying to say. Right. And they can reason. You know, they have intelligence, which I think is the biggest thing. But they can when I say dirty, they can reproduce, I yeah. think is interesting. Mm-hmm. And then, which I thought was crazy, and I actually had to look this up afterwards, there are robot zombies. Did you catch that? I was wondering what that was all about. Like, they would shoot some, and then there would like be blue sparks that would shoot out from their head. But I never really pursued it. I was like, what was that supposed to be? But I never really looked into it past that. So there's a couple of them that show up. I think two or three or four. And I guess Snyder introduced, because he likes to keep things hip and ambiguous, and we'll talk about the time loop in a second. But there, his thought process was that they're either A, aliens, mm-hmm. or two, like plants from the government that have infiltrated the zombie horde. Okay. I, but it's Why? up to you to decide what uh, you want it to be. Or maybe... Sure. He left absolutely no threads beyond the fact the blue sparks shooting out of their heads. Kind of yeah. Thing. So anyway, that was interesting. So... There's that. What? So I, I keep going back and forth on the zombies with that stuff. Do I like the idea of the enhanced zombie species? I don't know. Like I, I enjoyed Twenty Eight Days Later when we introduced speed running. Right. But I don't. Again, I know that they're not technically zombies. All right. I don't. We don't. You don't have to email that. I'm not. Email us on that one. But well, the or you could. I'd love to see it. <laughs> but what do you think about that whole concept of the alpha zombie and then the alpha zombie biting you turning you into an alpha zombie but if a normal zombie bites you then yeah. you don't and then where's the breakdown because it all starts as the alpha right so there's the biological weapon alpha zombie if he bites you you retain some form of intelligence although you become a zombie all of those that he's made and strength like his and, little... and vulnerability to a degree. You can jump off of high things and well, yeah. I mean, I think they've right got the Dawn of the Dead, you know, fast zombies coupled with the fact that they're zombies, so they're really hard to kill and they don't feel pain. But you know, and that they're they have this ferocity, but they again, like I said, they have the ability to reason. And I think that that kind of immediate group, his children, if you will, the ones he makes. Any that they make just are become regular zombies. Mm-hmm. And that's how it spreads exponentially. But I don't know. Zack Snyder just pisses me off. He's like an he's like a he's like a very talented film student that no one has ever reined in his worst storytelling impulses. And if they tried, and then the internet made such a stink that they they he got validated on everything. <laughs> that's that's very true. And talking about that, I want to mention how he shoots this thing. 
So he bought these rare lenses. I actually watched the making of documentary that was on Netflix afterwards because what am I going to do with my life? And he bought these rare rare camera lenses and had them adapted to be on the actual film cameras. Okay. The ones he used to shoot. And I'd like to point out, this is the first film he shot that he acted as the director of photography. Oh, okay. And I'm not sure how great a decision that was. (laughs) So what it does is these lenses basically destroy any real depth of field so when you're shooting people they are like let's say i'm shooting just matt right now right and there's a bunch of people behind him Mm -hmm. all you're really going to see is matt and then everything else is kind of fuzzy and Mm -hmm. out of focus and it's an interesting idea and i was all for it for the first 20 minutes or so of the film but then you know we got two and a half hours to sit through with this and eventually i'm kind of like it's kind of hard to figure out what's happening and i think technically it makes it's an interesting decision that doesn't really pan out and i think it also helps with the fact that they had to digitally insert tig nataro in this film after that guy chris is it delia delia i'm not even sure he is a a comedian who ran into a little problem with the ladies and was uh digitally removed Oh, okay. So they had to. So Tignataro was not their first choice. No, Tignataro was not really there. Nope. They shot all that stuff afterwards. That is crazy talk. Wow, I didn't even notice. I think she blends in. See, I knew in advance, yeah. so I think okay. she blends in pretty well. Yeah. And I think one of the weirdest things is that out of all the performances there, I probably enjoyed her because she seemed to be the only one that didn't really care right. about what was happening. Right. You know, like she was just doing her own thing the whole time. Right. You know, let's, let's, let's pump the brakes a little bit on that though. I think Batiste is solid in this too. I like Dave though. He's, he's shackled with this really bad uh, father daughter relationship. Right. And these, they try and interweave these touching moments between him and his daughter. And then including the, the where he has to go rescue her later on. And that's the thing too. I'm like, we're on the clock, people, right? We've got 20 minutes to get pack up all this cash, get into the bags, get up the elevator, get to the chopper, you know? I mean, it's... Get to the chopper! Yeah. And there's just not going to be enough time. And they don't even get close. I mean, like, $200 million in $100 bills is like 5,000 pounds. It's, <laughs> that is a ton of weight. Like, how are they going to move that? Yeah, it's... You can't think about any of this stuff. But the, the clock... I don't know what it is... Like I'm one of the people where, if there's a clock on a movie, you know, I'll yeah. I'll like count it down in my head to see like, right. is that going to make sense? Or like if somebody's underwater, I'll have to try and hold my breath to say too, you know, that kind of thing. So yeah, that drove me crazy. <laughs> Universally, the performances are kind of subpar. The script is not terribly good. Um, I'm supposed to be talking about good things. Um, what do you think of the time well, loop interjection idea that Zach decides to just throw in for the hell of it? So where did that come into play? I don't remember that. Is it, is it like in a credit scene? Because I stopped watching it. As soon as that, that credit started to roll, I was like, bam. Or, no, no, no. I, or, it's when they're, they first go down to the safe room. And okay. the three guys are there. And there's the three dead bodies of the crew that was there before them. And oh, they're all oh, dressed. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I thought that was just some thing. throwaway bullshit. Like that's, he, he seriously intended that to be there? Yeah, not but Zack not Snyder, to... dude. F. Snack Snyder, <laughs> just, just forget him. No, 
No, that is the dumbest thing. No, I th- it's just a throwaway little thing because that guy too, the um, Omega guy, because he's got the little Omega tattoos or burn into his skin, right? And we're mm-hmm. gonna talk about him later, but he is what was his character's name? Vanderhoe, played by Amari Hardwick. He's a, he was like a, a philosophy student in college. That was his whole okay. thing, right? That's okay. why he comes up with all these all spewing out all these philosophical concepts throughout the film. All right. And he's the one that brings up the, because, and if you do the two, I think Snyder even does quick flashes of the clothing that shows that they match the people who are down there, the bodies. Yeah. I think that was coincidental. I don't think he does enough with it or really does enough to earn it in any way, shape, or form. Like, I I just, I just think he likes to interject these little things like the robot zombies and do nothing with it just to kind of keep you. God, it's the worst. He's the worst. <laughs> He's making me angry. I'm sorry about that. I didn't mean to upset you. I know it's a it's a sensitive time for you generally. Yeah. <laughs> so I don't. I've been talking a lot, Matt. What are your thoughts? I don't really have a whole lot to say about this. Like my my feelings on Zack Snyder's films as uh, across the board. I am not. I've never really been that impressed with him as a filmmaker, as a storyteller. I think he's like the he's like a frat boy. He's a frat boy filmmaker who's just doesn't have really any good ideas. I think he can make some really interesting visual choices and I really like how his films look a lot of times, but everything around it, the part that you enjoy with the film almost to a T, they're just messes and that's and that's being generous in a lot of them and i really don't like that the internet has validated his worst impulses to like he feels like he can do he can do anything now like is this what we're in for for zack snyder so you don't want to see a sequel i no i don't i don't i'm anticipating i'm just waiting for zack snyder to announce that he's gonna do you know sucker punch to electric boogaloo and that's like that's gonna be his next thing he's gonna really gonna show it to you this time, what he meant with Sucker Punch too. <laughs> oh, dear God. So, what are your thoughts then about, again, we got our heady concepts here. So, the the main zombie guy is, is the alpha, right? And yeah. Vanderhoe has the Omega body scar, impression, burn thing, right? Mm-hmm. He survives the radiation somehow. He's bitten. Spoilers, by the way. So, I think he's supposed to represent the next step in the evolution of the zombie character. Because he, he doesn't turn. He seems to have been survived longer mm-hmm. then there's no turning in him he feels a little woozy a little off we don't know what that is he's on his way to mexico so is that i mean it's it's clearly an attempt to set up maybe not to set up an actual sequel to be done but more just to show listen the story continues type of a thing right yeah see i anticipated that he was starting to turn while he was on the plane and he's about to land in like one of the most populated cities in the, in the world right but i'm saying that you think he would have turned prior to then and the fact that the first one is the alpha, he's got the Omega body tattoo thing. Clearly, he's setting up something because he's talking. This is all about the evolution. I see Matt just shaking his head. He doesn't even want to engage. I understand. I don't, no, I don't. I mean, it, it, Alpha, no, the Omega. I mean, come on, Zach. Come on, Zach. So I'm assuming we're not going to be reviewing the animated prequel series that Netflix has planned. No, they have an animated. I sure. You know what? I'm all for it. I mean, it's going to be an animated prequel, so I can't imagine that Zack Snyder is going to be all over it. I don't know. Like, 
like you said in the beginning of the of this, it just seems like he takes a lot of rifts and liberties with things that are already out there. Like the the Alpha Zombie, kind of his design kind of looks like um, Ed from Day of the Dead. You know, he looks very similar in the way he's kind of constructed. Mm-hmm. You know, who was the tame zombie from that film? It's got a very I am legendy type of vibe as well. Like you have Absolutely. this one super smart zombie. That's the one you got to work, worry about. I don't know. Like, I, I just feel like there's not a whole lot of original here. And then even what you're pointing out as original just seems like a bunch of throwaway stuff that Zach threw on the screen to see what would stick. And I don't think he's more clever for it. Like, I don't know. I had like, kind of like blase feelings about this but i'm getting more angry i'm getting more annoyed with it the more you talk about it with me <laughs> i'm gonna have, have to might have to penalize it at least a half a letter grade all right we, we better we better shut this down then matt i ended up giving army of the dead a d plus yeah i'm gonna have to give it a d you know i expected something higher out of you the way you were talking well, I've been I was vacillating between C minus and D plus, and depending on what kind of mood you get me in, you could get that C minus squeezed out of me. There you go. But yeah, no, I think the the emotional stuff just doesn't work. The um, artistic air quotes choices don't quite pan out. The performances are bad. It's not the aliens thing really ticked me off. I'm not sure why that bothered me so much, but it really, I mean. He Garrett Dillahunt is so Burke right from the beginning. You know, Paul Reiser's character, it just screams, you know, that that, that something's going to happen and he's going to try the old switcheroo on him at some point. So, yeah, no, it's, it is what it is. Army of the Dead is currently streaming on Netflix. Feel free to uh, go ahead and choose an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com and let us know your thoughts. Are we both terribly, terribly wrong? Let us know. Matt, let's spend a few minutes then and talk about what's coming up on Blu-ray and DVD and I guess 4K as well, this upcoming Tuesday, June 1st. Matt, this is a classic film I've never owned in any capacity, getting released in 4K. Is it time for me to pull the trigger? Bandit, me and my son are here. Oh, I love your suits. It must be a bitch getting a size 68 extra fat and a 12 dwarf. I came to make a deal. Uh, what's he get if he wins this truck Rodeo thing? If? $5,000, daddy. Chicken shit money. Just what the hell you want, anyway? You to get out of this dumbass rodeo and accept a real challenge. Now get to Texarkana and back in 28 hours. That's no problem. It ain't never been done before, hot shit. Watch your language, little lady. The problem is that Coors beer, you take that east of Texas, and that's, uh, that's bootlegging. You know, I believe you're just a little bit scared. That's great psychology. Why don't you just say something bad about my mother? That's right, Matt. Smokey and the Bandit is getting released in 4K. Get an HDR presentation, a Dolby Atmos audio track, and a few making of featurettes, including a CB tutorial. Matt, do I pull the trigger on Smoking the Bandit? I haven't watched that thing in probably 30 years. I barely even remember it, but I remember it's it's a fun Burt Reynolds at the height of his powers kind of movie, isn't it? I I guess. I don't know. Like It would have to be a pretty low price point for me to pull the trigger on that. I don't think I would ever do it. 
Hmm. Okay. Maybe I can pick it up digitally for like five bucks. I don't know. You want to. You want to so bad. Good times. What else is coming out, Matt, uh, this upcoming Tuesday, June 1st? The Courier featuring Benedict Cumberbatch and Rachel Brosnahan. Cold War spy Gravel Wynn and his Russian source try to put an end to the Cuban Missile Crisis. The World to Come, starring Vanessa Kirby, Catherine Waterston, and Casey Affleck. Somewhere along the mid-19th century American East Coast frontier, two neighboring couples battle hardship and isolation. Witnessed by a splendid yet testing landscape, challenge both of them physically and psychologically. Boogie is being released, set in contemporary New York City. It follows a Chinese-American basketball phenom who struggles to balance the expectation of his immigrant family with his own dreams of becoming a player for the NBA. Three making up feature rights included in that one. Legendary Bond girl. I said what I said. Fonky Johnson stars in The Vault. A genius engineering graduate. Interest is piqued by the Bank of Spain, whose safe has no blueprints, and whose security system includes an underground river that floods the safe room if breached. Learning that a legendary lost treasure will be deposited in the bank safe for just 10 days, he masterminds a meticulous plan, along with a charismatic art dealer, to break into the bank. Shoplifters of the world. Matt, do you remember that trailer? Did you see it about the bunch of kids who take over the radio station when the Smiths break up? No, I did not hear about this. So it's set in 1987 in Denver, Colorado, and these four friends reeling by the demise of the Smiths take over the airwaves and just to have them play the Smiths all the time. Does anybody care that much about the Smiths? I know I, not to be a jerk, but I just can't think of. Yeah, I guess he has, they have a really, I think they have a very small but devoted following. I know they're really big in Mexico. Okay. Maybe so. Yeah. I mean, honestly, let's be real here, Chris. I mean, you have some pretty hardcore obsessions with your musical idols as well. I mean, Certainly. David Bowie is a stone cold classic, but I mean, at this point in, in time, are people, people saying, do really, people really love David Bowie that much? And well, that's what I'm saying are. is David Bowie is a just, you know, he's my favorite musician of all time. I would not lead a ragtag group of devotees to take over a radio station once he passed away, once like the spider I mean, broke up. No. They're, I mean, but they're kids and they're stupid. I mean, you're we're in our, what, late 20s? We never would do that. <laughs> but I mean, if, if we're a lot of growth. teenagers, you know, who knows? I bet some kid probably tried when Kurt Cobain died. I'm sure they tried to break him and, and you know, play Nirvana for days straight. Fair enough. Maybe I'm just getting into my get-off-my-lawn years. Spare parts. A group of girls get lost on a random dirt road. The tow truck driver tows them to his junkyard. Everything seems normal, Matt, until they wake up with weapons for limbs thrown into the fight for their lives. Audio commentary with the director and cast and more. Endangered Species. Rebecca Romaine and Jerry O'Connell team up for this intense, action-packed survival adventure. Steven Dorff shows up in Embattled. I don't, it's fine. I don't really feel a need to say anything else. New to Blu-ray, Lionsgate is releasing the director's cut of a great cult classic film. If you haven't seen it, but I am a cheerleader. I highly recommend uh, tracking that film down. Paramount Presents is releasing Mommy Dearest, a story of Joan Crawford featuring Faye Dunaway, the brand new 4K restoration, new audio commentary, and more. Code Red is giving us The Love Butcher. To a twisted tale of Caleb and his alter ego Lester after being pushed around too far 
Caleb transforms into Lester and returns to those who have wronged him. This kind of reminds me of Matt's story. Steelbook release for Backdraft, if you're a fan. Disney is pushing out The Kid and Herbie Fully Loaded, the Lindsay Lohan one. Kino Lorber is releasing The Blue Lamp, The Green Man, and Who Done It. And some other 4K releases go along with Smokey and the Bandit. Guy Ritchie Snatch. Both Angelina Jolie Tomb Raider films in a two-pack as well. Your straight-to-DVD pick of the week, Matt. I want you to tell me. Give me a number. The American Pie Movie Collection. How many movies have there been? I'm going to say six. Nine. Wow. American Pie. American Pie 2. American Wedding. American Reunion. American Pie Presents Bandcamp. Presents The Naked Mile. Presents Beta House. Presents The Book of Love. Presents Girls Rules. Okay. I had no idea the French. It's like it's like the Sniper series. I had right. no idea there were so many of these films. Universal Soldier. There you go. All right, Matt. What should we be streaming this week? Out new on Hulu is um, the latest offering to of Marvel Television on Hulu. On Hulu, yeah. Stars one of the dumbest villains that uh, Marvel ever came up with, and that's really saying something. It's Modok of AIM. Um, it basically follows the the adventures of the giant head of a supervillain that flies around on a hover chair, voiced by Patton Oswalt, and um, the lack of respect he gets as a world-conquering uh, villain. Is it any good? Have you checked it out? Watch the first episode. It's pretty good. I hear it gets better and better as it, as it goes. Interesting. I may have to add that to the queue. Reminds me, folks, uh, Matt and I had a discussion off the air. Was it today? Yesterday? There is a series that we are both deficient on uh, that is leaving Netflix at the end of June. That is Twin Peaks. Mm. So I'm going to do my darndest to blow through that series over the next uh, few weeks. There you go. But get on it now if you haven't seen it or if you want to revisit it. All right, people. Let's spend a few minutes with our buddy Mads. This time, we're going to avenge the death of his wife, the mother of his child, because, Matt, something hokey's going on. Or maybe not at all. Let's hear a little bit of Writers of Justice. Writers of Justice. How many members do they have? What are they for? What are they family for? Where they are er det noget, I kan, uden at det kan spores? Vi har fattet, det er det nemmeste for dig i verden. Det er det nemmeste for mig i verden. Hvad vil du bruge det til? Jeg vil hævne min kone. Matt, I can't tell you how difficult it is, because I keep wanting to call this justice writers. I don't know what it is, but in my head, that's how I always, I, I hear it in my head. But no. It's Riders of Justice by Anders Thomas Jensen, starring Mads Mikkelsen and others. So basically, Matt, what happens is a apparently an accident happens on a train. Mads is a he's a soldier, and his wife and his daughter are on this train. There's this accident, she dies. And all it triggers all of these events that may at first look like a coincidence. But when you add everything up, Matt, there's something else shady going on, which brings him into the path of this gang, this biker gang, the Riders of Justice. And to get his revenge, he will slowly start eliminating all of them. 
helped with the ragtag motley group of people he meets along the way who all have these unique abilities. I shouldn't say abilities, but gifts, right? The sums like one guy's a hacker or another guy is does something. And there's another guy too. And, but they're all quirky and damaged in their own way, much like everybody else in this film. And that's the key, right? What I did not expect watching this film was to come away with a Christmas movie about grief, acceptance, and what it means to be family with the occasional shootout. What are your thoughts on Writers of Justice? Yeah, I really enjoyed this. It's funny because I was reading up a, about this after I watched it, and it's it's um, considered a, a black comedy. And I would say it'd be like the blackest of comedies because the jokes are so subtle and what you're, what they're asking you to laugh at is stuff that's not really that funny. Um, it's really tragic in a lot of ways, but uh, yeah, like I was, it's, it's, it's very violent. Mads is great as always. It's portrait of this guy. There's these, all these damaged people trying to do their best to find their way, get their own closure for different things that have happened in their lives. And using Mad Michelson's as an instrument to do that. And um, yeah, I, I thought it was, it was fantastic. I, I really enjoyed it. I don't know about you. Were you always on constant edge that Matt was just going to like up and kill somebody for talking the wrong way? Not quite, but I did anticipate him beating the hell out of people. Mm. Yes. Which does okay. happen on occasion. Sure, it does. Yes, it does. So, you know, I wasn't anticipating the black comedy aspects of it either. I did laugh, actually, quite a few times watching this. Maybe it illustrates that my humor is a much more twisted and sick than yours is. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised by how much I enjoyed the humor that was interjected in this. I should say interjected because it sounds like it's forced. It's part of the film. And for all, it's also entertaining violence that does happen, though it's not frequent and slight, though it is brutal when it happens. The focus of the film really is the grieving process as this new family comes together, right? They all serve a purpose in the healing of each other. And it was really just the drama of this that I was not expecting. I think when I talked to you about this film, I kept pushing it to you as a revenge film. But it's so much more than that. I mean, if, if you're looking for your traditional shoot 'em up revenge movie, your your takens, your death wishes, whatever you want to call them, right? This is not that film. It's something much, much more than that. And I think much to the film's uh, uh, improvement. Matt, one thing I really appreciated about the film, and it's hard to kind of, I want to talk around, talk about this, but I need to talk around it a little bit, but how much the film illustrates our need as people for an explanation, for reason, right? How we will see patterns and things that aren't there because the simple truth that sometimes shit happens is insufficient. Mm -hmm. And because it, it, it so rattles the core of our reality and the structure that we hold, desperately hold on to so much that there's reason and cause for things that uh, I think it, what this film does with that is just exceptional. And it's really well done. When that scene hits, it really is just a gut punch and um, just exceptionally well done. What do mm -hmm. you think? No, I agree. I mean, there's kind of foreshadowing of all that as you go through. I mean, um, there's a discussion with uh, Otto and the daughter um, and like how 
her things have brought a, you know, the things that she's kind of focused on um, and how you can tell that based off of what you've learned about Otto's past, that he did the same thing. And that's mm-hmm. kind of maybe what led him into the work that he's done. Um, and that he's kind of like, you know, it'll destroy you if you keep going on this path. And I think it's a lot of it is just, there's a lot of moments of catharsis where there's people that are, you know, they've been struggling for a long time and they find a little bit of peace or they find a little bit of uh, serenity um, and they find some comfort in each other. Even if it's fleeting comfort that quickly gets snatched away, they always kind of come back together, which is nice. Yeah. No, I rather enjoyed Writers of Justice, Matt. I ended up giving it a B plus. Yeah, I gave it a B plus as well. Worlds apart as usual. There it is. If you had a chance to see Writers of Justice, which you can rent on all of your streaming platforms right now, shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. I love that we can spend almost a half an hour talking about Army of Justice, Army of Justice, Army of the Dead, a film that we did not particularly care for. Right. But we wrap up Writers of Justice in basically under 10 minutes. Yeah. <laughs> as far well, as a barrier film. I mean, that really, I do notice that that happens a lot. I mean, the films that we don't like are the ones we want to really just like vent over, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've got to be more positive. All right. There it is. Check it out, folks. It is, it's, it's different. It's unique. And uh, we think you'll enjoy it. Matt, now it's time to make some recommendations. People ask us all the time. You guys run a measly, barely successful podcast. You must know, have a film recommendation for me, right? And I said, sure, I sure do. Well, Chris, Matt, what horror movies can I watch that'd be good that I can stream right now? Well, we're going to let you know. Here's one that didn't quite make the cut for me, Matt, but it works as a memorial for the actress Desiree Joan Gould in one of the most unsettling performances in a horror film I think I have ever seen. Hurry, sweeties! We don't want to be late for the boss! Goodness, no. That wouldn't do at all. Richard, Angela! Oh, here you are. Look what I did. I packed you and your cousin some goodies for the ride up to camp. Wasn't that nice of me, hmm? Any chips? Why, of course. I believe there's a whole bag. Well, I'm almost sure of it. Angela, isn't there anything special my little girl would care for? Hmm? We gotta go, Mom. It's getting late. Why, of course you do, dear. We wouldn't want them to leave without us, now would we? No? No, I'm afraid that that wouldn't do. Come, children. Let's be on our way. You know, the audio doesn't really capture how unnerving that performance from Desiree Gould is as Aunt Martha Thomas in Sleepaway Camp. A Mm. fantastic slasher horror film from the 80s. One of the greatest final reveals, I think, in horror history. I mean, Mm. it is... Not only, though, are the, are the kills in that film great, the mystery's fantastic, who the killer is, the gore is very well done, but that last shot, baby, even when I think about it now, Matt, it, 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 it kind of you know gives me a little bit of goosebumps. It is that good, and it is currently streaming on Shudder. Yeah, that is creepy. That is a creepy, creepy last shot. So, all right, start us off, Matt. What is the... And then this, I don't, I, mine aren't really in any particular order of yeah. you know quality per se well no that's not true i did kind of put them in a certain order either way 
it's open. It's free form, Matt. Number five. All right, so my number five, and these are all films that I I try to steer away from ones that we've mentioned a lot. I've been, you mm-hmm. know, that we talk about a lot. So, but some of these we did review for the show, you know, in years past. Um, so my first one is going to be His House. It's available on Netflix. Yeah. It's the story of a um, pair of immigrants fleeing genocide in Africa. They move to England, and they are quickly discovered that there is something sinister haunting the row house that they're put into. It's a really, really effective, um, really creepy horror story or ghost haunted house ghost story um, that kind of gives you a look at a different mythology than what you're used to. And it kind of, it also gives you a glimpse into what immigrants go through. Maybe not, you know, not in the United States, but in the UK. Um, But I'm sure it's a similar situation everywhere you go. It's a very powerful film. I thought it was very good. Yeah, it's exceptional. An honorable mention for me. Criminally under scene, I think. So uh, definitely check that one out. Matt, number number five, then, is the 80s cheesy schlock classic. The cult classic that is Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. A film that really has no connection to the original Prom Night outside of it. Just basically the studio coming in, doing some reshots, and trying to cash in on the Prom Night name. Long out of print on physical media. Though there are ways to obtain it if you uh, scour the depths of eBay. But it is great. I mean, it rips off a bunch of other superior films, but it does have its own charms with a bonkers ending and a performance by Michael Ironside, who I think is a little underused, but it's still fun to see him pop up in this thing. But uh, yeah, Hello, Mary Lou, Prom Night 2. I just caught up with it like a year or so ago. I had always heard about it, but I'd never seen it. And it's it's a lot of fun. So, and it's currently available on Shudder. That's my five. I'll have to watch that. I haven't seen it. All right. So my number four is not really a horror film. It's more of like a dark fairy tale. Um, we did review this for the show a few years ago. This is, I'm going to recommend Tigers Are Not Afraid. It's available on mm-hmm. Shudder. It's a story of uh, five orphaned um, Mexican children who were orphaned by the cartels. And they're just kind of existing in these kind of eking out an existence, you know, avoiding the violence of the cartels while also avo- avoiding um, maybe the ghosts of what have been of, of the violence that's left behind. Um, it's uh, got a really creepy vibe to it. Um, a bit of a Del Toro vibe as far as the kind of uh, atmosphere of it. It's really, really good, but not really a straight up horror film. It's more of like a creepy dark fantasy, dark fairy tale kind of thing. So if like jump scares are not really your thing, this may be more your speed. My number four then. And as I'm going through my list, Matt, I realize I'm basically doing an infomercial for Shudder. So uh, my number four then is uh, Fulci's The Beyond. I think the pinnacle of his career, his masterpiece, air quotes, if I may. Uh, everybody knows Zombie or Zombie 2, depending on where you are geographically. There's shark fight between a zombie here, but this Beyond is a weird, trippy, gory, haunted house film that almost defies explanation. It is just a weird, bizarre film. It has one of my favorite moments in horror history as well when they are fighting off a zombie horde in a hospital. And our protagonist is basically, what is it, breech-loading a revolver, dropping the bullets down the barrel of the gun to load it. <laughs> Either way, it is a Fulci classic. It is considered his best film, and it is currently available on Shutter. If you like Italian gore horror films this is one of the best my number three is uh based off of a stephen king story it's basically like a two three person film um that takes place essentially in a room 
it's Gerald's game on Netflix. Um, stars, uh, I'm blanking on her name right now. Um, Gina. <laughs> forget it. I forget. But um, I, I know. I want to say um, Gina Carano, but I know that is so horribly, not right. horribly not right. wrong. No, because the uh, actress is actually Carla Gugino. Carla Gugino. It's it's really the, it's the it's the first letters are almost switched. In it's the names. inversion That's, of that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. those yeah. hard consonants at the beginnings. Yeah. All right. So Gerald's game starring Carla Gugino um, is basically a married couple um, does a, a bondage game in the bedroom where she is uh, handcuffed um, to the bed frame and then her husband dies while he's on top of her and nobody knows she's there and nobody's coming to check on her and she can't get out. It is a, it, it sounds like if, if being trapped in claustrophobic is your bugaboo this is this is there for you and then a lot of really kind of creepy supernatural or are they kind of things start happening it's a it's a lot of fun i thought it was a pretty a pretty well done stephen king adaption that kind of flew under the radar on netflix so uh i'm gonna recommend gerald's game that one's a lot of fun one of the more unsettling scenes i've ever seen on netflix too the uh i don't want to give it away too much but you'll know it when you see it folks yeah i'll tell you that much so, all right, so my number four then is my lone uh, non-shutter pick, and that is The Invitation, which we did for the show by Karen Kusama. A uh, lovely dinner party in the uh, Los Angeles Hills goes horribly, horribly awry. And uh, it is, Matt, man, we did The Invitation for the show, didn't we? Yeah, we did. All right, good. It is a just a really kind of crazy little film everything the dinner party starts off nice everything seems okay but then you know logan uh logan marshall green stars in this one uh upgrade you may know him from as, as well but then he notices little things little things seem off and then the turn comes and it is very unsettling but he did they do a great job she does a great job of just kind of keeping you disoriented and uncomfortable until everything starts to happen. And then it's just kind of sheer terror uh, from there on in. So that's my uh, number three is the invitation on Netflix. Yeah, that was a good one. That was a pretty, that was a pretty creepy little film. All right. So my number two is a, I don't know where this lands in the series. I don't know if this is the first one or, or what, but I, there's no subtitle. So I'm, I'm assuming there's no sub byline. So I'm assuming this is the first one, but it's unfriended. Um, we're mm-hmm. basically, it's on Netflix. It's uh, basically a group of friends are having a video chat, a Zoom, Skype, whatever you want to have it, where something, basically a classmate that they bullied starts exacting some revenge. Um, and it's it's actually really creepy and really effective, even within the conceit of being trapped watching this basically what amounts to a computer screen as everything happens. Um, now, I know there's been some sequels to it, and I think we've even watched a few of them, and they're, they're not great. But I thought the first one was pretty effective for a low-budget horror film. Yeah, I was surprised by how successful that was. Mm. So, yeah, that's a good pick, which is interesting. So, Matt's giving you a lot of recent stuff, and I'm going old school. So, yeah, let's give you are. a nice range of material. So my uh, number two, if you're a fan of uh, Joe Bob Briggs' uh, last driving show on Shudder, you recently discovered this film a couple weeks ago. A lot of people did. They hadn't seen it, and they were raving about it at Twitter. 
and it made me really happy that people were able to finally catch up with Gary Sherman's Dead and Buried from 1981. It is a great lesser known horror gem so basically there's this town this coastal town called potter's bluff man and then sometimes people meet with horrible ends and they die and but then they come back and it is there's a great mystery at the core of it what's happening some fantastic scares some great gore shots as well this is a film that I think is finally starting to get its due. There is a 4K release coming out, I believe from Arrow, in June that I've already pre-ordered. I've never owned... I Actually, no, I think I had it on DVD years ago that I lost it. I think I let somebody borrow it and never got it back. So I'm very excited to be getting a copy of Dead and Buried again. But you can stream it right now on Shudder. Do it tonight. I'll have to watch it. I've never seen it. So oh, I guess I'll check that. If yeah. you like 80s horror oh. films, that yeah, it is very, very good. Okay. All right. So just to kind of put a pin on the fact that we're going recent or my list is more recent, um, I'm going to recommend the film as my number one that just came out a few months ago. Um, so St. Maud is available on Prime mm. and Hulu about a religious, very devout young woman who has visions um, and apparently maybe talks to God. but she has to kind of self-flagellate and torture herself to do that as she cares for people who are in hospice care. It is a creepy, just wild little film and is, is leaves you guessing as to what's really happening throughout the whole thing, right up to the last shot. And I think it is uh, a good little gem that unfortunately um, I think is popular among the film nerd indie circuit, but it deserves a wider audience. No, that's a great one, Matt. That is such a just unsettling film. It really is. And that final shot, man, woo, that is not a pleasant. Yeah, no, that's a great one because it keeps you on your toes, but it delivers the scares as well. That's a that's a that's a great pick. I'm happy that's finally available a lot wider instead of just being on what stars is where it was. Yeah, epics or something like that. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, epics. I think you're right. It's. A real big victim of the pandemic, that one. had been delayed a bunch of times. So I'm glad people can finally really get into it. All right, and then my number one, Matt, is the oldest film in my list. And uh, I wonder, you must have seen this one, Matt. You must have. Robin Hardy's The Wicker Man, starring Edward Woodward. And then, of course, a great turn by Christopher Lee. Woodward is a detective sent to this... What is it? This this uh, this island this called this isolated island called Summer Isle in search of a missing girl, and the town folks everything seems a little off with them, and uh, they don't you know and it I, man I just I don't want to say anything because I don't want to spoil it. It's such a great film, so I'm just gonna I'll leave it at that. It is one of my favorite horror films. I remember when I first saw it, I had heard a lot of great things about it. I'm like, there's no way it's going to be that good. And it just blew me away. In fact, I was really excited, Matt, about three, four months ago. I was at a local um, record store here. And they released this. I have it on Blu-ray with both cuts of the film. There's two versions. Uh, and they, But they released it in DVD, Matt, a long time ago in a wooden box that had a Wicker Man kind of thing um, stamped, burned into the top of the box. I think Anchor Bay released it. They only made like a 5,000 of them or something. And they had it there for like six bucks. 
Wow. And they, they actually even checked the price when I brought it up to buy. And he goes, yeah, no, that's it. So I'm like, I'll, I'll take that. And I swapped out. I put my Blu-ray in the case and, you know, got rid of the DVD. So I probably still have the DVD, actually. Either way, I love The Wicker Man. Do not watch the Nicolas Cage remake. I beg of you. Check out the original uh, currently on Shudder. Not the bees. Not the bees. <laughs> Nick Cage, man. Rip my shirt. <laughs> so I'm surprised Veronica did not make your list. Oh, it, was, it was close. Super close. <laughs> Any honorable mentions? Yeah, I have quite a few, actually. Um, so I'll recommend um, The Neon Demon, which is just a crazy film. Um, I, I did it, not anticipate it, that. It grows on me every time I watch it, you know. It, I just it's one of those films that just sits with me along with its companion films as far as that I didn't really I don't I don't know how I feel about them, but I still watch them mm-hmm. in Climax and the Suspiria remake, which are mm-hmm. I think all, all available on Prime. Yep. Um A Girl Walks Home Alone at Night, which is a, an Iranian kind of atmospheric vampire film on Shudder. Honeymoon starring Rose Leslie about uh, a a couple that goes on their honeymoon in the woods where she seems to have an encounter with aliens in the, in the forest and starts going through some changes. Really, really creepy, really worth the watch Oculus on prime. And, um, I have to throw just as a last minute sub Mandy, um, from shutter hmm. since we talked about, uh, you tore my shirt. That's good. That's good. Sure. I think I had that as a clip at some point. I, 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 on the Mandy show, I said, you have to get, I tore my shirt for the stinger. And you did. You didn't, you didn't let me down. No, no, no. I usually am able to come through with that kind of stuff. But um, yeah, no, I don't, I don't have it anymore. I must have it somewhere. What the? Yeah. It's, the thing, it's not a really stinger that comes up that much, right? It's not, it's, it doesn't know. It doesn't naturally work. You should make like a file of just like all of the Nick Cage like ridiculousness that uh, (laughs) meme stuff that's out there. Not the bees. Storm my shirt. We should. That's a good one. We haven't used in a while that I love. Just relax, amigo. (laughs) You have not used that one in a while. (laughs) Uh, We don't. I don't use a lot of them at all. All right. Anyway, mine that you didn't mention: a Jeremy Saulnier's Green Room which is terrifying and unsettling. Mm. It's available on FUBU, Canopy, and then DirecTV and Showtime, depending if you have them. Um, Shudder has Black Sabbath, probably my favorite horror anthology. I would go with The Stepfather on Shudder, Torso on Shudder, if you uh, like your Jallos, your gory ones. I think Torso's Spanish, though. Uh, I saw The Devil on Prime, which is one of those films that really freaked me out, especially when they were in... They what they clash and they run into the house full of the cannibals. That's not cool. Uh, Shutter's also got demons. It has pieces, which I think is what was it that uh, you don't have to go to Texas for a chainsaw massacre, mm-hmm. or um, it is exactly what you think it is is the tagline, which I think which I appreciate. And uh, in, inside Matt, unavailable on any service. Really? Really? The French, my favorite of the French new wave horror films. Unfortunately, it is not available, so I don't even know why I brought it up. I just made a point to try and find it. And then finally, for the fans of Miike's audition, I hope you enjoy this week's stinger. Coming up next week, Matt, what are we going to be discussing? Are you gonna it's it's a theater week, right? That is a quiet place too. How about it? Good times. So that'll be fun to check out. And then um what else are we rolling with that one? It's going 
to oh you know what i have the wrong calendar up man that's why i'm having issues i have 2020 up i'm like what do you mean what is why are we seeing that again oh mitchell versus the machines from the folks that did uh then they do into the spider-verse which is currently on netflix at least they were okay. associated with it in some capacity all right so that'll be fun boy that'll be a weird double bill that's a weird double bill yeah good times all right in the meantime, check us out on Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. Do a search for the first run. Scroll, scroll, scroll. Eventually, you'll find us. Head on over to Apple Podcasts and give us a review. Now, I will admit, I have been neglecting a lot of those social medias. I don't think I've updated the YouTube channel in like in a month. I got it. Right. I am so behind. Things have been so busy. Ugh. This is unfortunately not our full-time job. So... Where are we anyway? Uh, go over to uh, Apple Podcasts, give us a review, and help other people find the show. We will read that on the air. And that'll be it, Matt. So uh, mm-hmm. why don't we go ahead, take an extended break, make sure you get vaccinated, folks, and uh, we will see you all soon. Take care.